Hello, everybody, and welcome to Bad End, episode 65, the one episode that we'll only ever do once because it'll only be one episode 65, but also because it's the episode that we do at least every year, which is our much acclaimed, award-winning, Bad End, Goatee episode. This is the episode since last Goatee always gets the most listens, the most shares. We bring you the takes hot and fast this time, more so than normal episodes, so... Join with me as always are my two lovely co-hosts, Josh Calixto and Katie McCarthy, here to just talk about not just the best game of 2019, but also all the superlative categories that we've come up with for you to better understand 2019. Because, you know, every year of games, it's not just about what game was the best. It's about, you know, what came out, what came out that mattered, what came out that didn't matter, what came out that will matter in five years from now. Um, so I don't know if you guys want to start out with a category, if you want to let introduce me just it, jump or in here got? real quick with a couple jump of things, right Josh Calixto of Kotaku.com with a, and a bunch of other, uh, video game websites, by the way, <laughs> that who you were just listening to was Kyle Cookstell. I don't think he actually introduced himself. Oh, um, oops. yeah, that's Kyle. Um, but okay. A couple things. First of all, we just launched a bunch of stuff. We just had a bunch of awesome episodes come out. Um, if you all listened to some of the previous episodes this past month, you're a new listener. Thank you so much for listening to our podcast. Welcome. We have a Patreon. It's patreon.com slash bad end. If you become a subscriber, you could become one of our Discord members. We have an awesome Discord that you can check out. We are also part of Superculture Network, something that we just launched. Superculture is super dope because it's a partnership essentially with bullet points which is another great video game website uh, that you should also check out. And we also launched a new podcast called Savoir Fair, a Disco Elysium podcast, which is under the bigger podcast umbrella of the Superculture Review. So you can go check that out. Okay, that's all the plugs I have for now. But also as a disclaimer, before we get into all the uh, game of the year stuff, I do want to say, okay, this isn't like a comprehensive we played every single game that came out this year and it's going to be right. It's not like that. It's all like what we played, how we feel about it. And you know what? You're going to get a game of the year podcast somewhere else. You're going to get a top 50 games of the year, like list somewhere else. We're giving you something better, which is like, we're actually reflecting <laughs> on all these things, putting chunks together, seeing what happened, why it mattered, what was going on. That being said, you're going to be like, you guys didn't even play Call of Duty. Like you didn't play freaking Luigi's Mansion. I didn't play no, Luigi's didn't. Mansion. I did it. <laughs> there are some blind spots here. I'm not going to lie to you, but that's not what this is about. Um, so to kick it off, why don't we start with our tried and true classic category. Wait, no, no, no. I'm going to interrupt you. And okay, I'm going to say please. that we should actually start off with what you were just talking about. Also, to just one more intro, shout out yeah. to all the people who are here because the Tim Rogers episode, that episode was amazing. If you're listening to us, we'll have him on again shortly. But I promise, you know, Just Us is also great. <laughs> so yeah, thanks yeah. for we joining us. But I'm going to start out with the, a podcast without the first category we're going to talk about is the one that you were just kind of talking about, Josh, which was what I've written down to be called. Um, probably should have played that. Uh, so <laughs> I think let's just, let's just get our blind spots out of the way at the start of the episode so people know what to expect that we're not going to have later on. So this is, these are, these are, this is basically a disclaimer category where it's like, you know what? 
Maybe yeah. we should have played that. <laughs> I, you know what? I actually had one. Uh, I have a few because I came up with this category, you know, in a silo on my own, which <laughs> oh. is um, I thought Astral Chain. That's yeah. a game I didn't play. Yeah. I didn't play oh, yeah. um, Luigi's Mansion. I feel like Luigi's Mansion is probably number. Our Discord's been hopping about Luigi's Mansion. So I feel like I, in a service to our community, if nothing else, should play that game. I didn't play Remnant from the Ashes, which got Oh, I didn't play that either. And I heard good things. Yeah. yeah. Same. Um, I did not play Days Gone. I didn't play uh I don't know if that's on the shoulda should have played that list. Okay. Yeah, that's there's, true. There's other categories in our goatee categories that, that might fit better under. Would me only playing like a couple hours of Outer Wilds and then bouncing off oh, should so should Outer fall Wilds is on my list too category. for sure. Like I heard so many great people are like this is the greatest adventure game ever made. But I did. I did play that though. So I feel like yeah. it's it might be a KD blind spot but it's not a bad end of blind spot. That's, Fair enough. Yeah. Yeah, Luigi's definitely one I missed. Yeah. I'm trying to think of what other like Nintendo stuff came out that was big this year. There's nothing. <laughs> it's Zelda? all ports. Um, oh, Link's, oh Link's Awakening. Or Link's Awakening. Link's Awakening. Link's Awakening. Yeah. Uh, I played that like a little bit and I bounced off it hard because I don't I like that I played the original. I played the original. It's pretty uh, much the same game. Fire Emblem, maybe. Oh, I mean, oh, I, I don't want to play that. Age. But I didn't finish it because I got bored. <laughs> uh, so that's Did a, none of I us play Fire Emblem? I played it by I played like ten hours. I was really hot on it for like one podcast episode, and then <laughs> I fell off big time. Like it was like literally like I woke up one morning. I was like, I'm never playing Fire Emblem ever again. <laughs> you know? Yeah, I feel like we should move on from this category just because we can we can figure out what our blind spots are. As oh, there's just going to come up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So without further ado, the crowd favorite <laughs> award, <laughs> uh, which is oh yeah. That came out, which is the games that came out this year um, that you might not even remember fucking came out this year because I was I was making this list right here that I'm about to start reading off of. And there's some stuff where like I'm, I'm just realizing that like a lot of the games are like, oh, yeah, that came. Even a lot of the games that are on my top 10 list are like, oh, yeah, that came out. That came games. out. OK, let's let's get, let's get started. You guys ready? Kingdom Hearts 3. Oh, yeah, man. Kingdom Hearts 3 came out that in January 2019. <laughs> January 25th, oh, 2019. Wow. That makes me feel like I just aged like three years. <laughs> I feel old, right? Um, Days Gone. Dead, that no, I didn't even out. know that came out. That game kind of like came and went, out. but it has like a diehard thing. Days Gone, I feel like, was a big hit with like normies, you know, people like the normal people <laughs> that like, like the buy it. Conservative like, crowd. Well, like, no, like the people that buy like two video games a year like maybe they buy like call of duty and one other game and that's it that's like their yearly dose of games so by like call I feel of duty like, and, like that the new contingent was game. really in the days gone which is fair it was just like an open world zombie game i get it i understand it, why like that the hit. sons of sons of anarchy esque yeah. thing the main guy was named like hmm. boomer or something stupid boomer <laughs> god damn boomer um, auto chess dota auto chess came out this year that that sh- that's out. like the big story of this. I don't know. I don't think that's but a surprise. But I feel like Team Fight Tactics eclipsed it, and 
I'm not saying that. Yeah, Dota, totally. I'm I mean, not def- saying auto chess was forgettable. I'm saying I feel like it came out not this year. You know what game <laughs> didn't come out this well, year? Technically, that I was it didn't like, come out, right? Oh, that auto- didn't come out. Um, Bennett Foddy getting over it. I, I for some reason I was like, oh, wasn't that this year? <laughs> it was from came out 2017. Yeah, Ooh. I was like, that came out a long time Ooh. ago. <laughs> okay, still okay. Uh, okay, I'm gonna I'm just gonna go through more stuff here. Um, the Division Two. Whoa! Yeah, that, that actually was is one year? that's shocking. Yeah, that did come out this year. That actually feels um, like it came out in like 2017. Well, the Division One came Man, out. Where are my Division fans at? Who's like out there standing for Division Two? Do they exist? I'm sure there's people. There's people. They love Divisies. shooting and political landscapes and that refuse New to York? acknowledge their politics. You know. Um, also, I play a little bit of Division Two. That game's hella bullet spongy. I don't get it. It's like not. Like the fun thing about Destiny is just popping off people. Division, you're just like soaking in like a whole fucking clip and they're just still walking around. It's like, this doesn't make any logical sense. There is no bulletproof vest in the world that would house a machine gun being like loaded. And it's just like, it's ludicrous. It's like uncharted levels of bullet sponge. Yeah. Um, it's like that. I mean, worse than that. It's just like, I felt like I was shooting at people so long. Like, this person's just not dying and it's driving me crazy metro exodus oh fuck that did come out this year (laughs) came out this year was this a january release or was it later it's like march right i'm remembering now yeah some black hole happens around april where i forget everything that comes out between (laughs) january and april okay um yoshi's crafted world oh that's an there we were just at we literally the last segment was like what nintendo games came out that we didn't talk about and then this was such a oh shit that came out that you guys didn't March even know 29th, to list 2019. That's what I'm saying. Yoshi's Crafted World. Before April. Crackdown 3 came out this year. Oh, I forgot about that. God. <laughs> it's like Game Pass right explosive, now. It's like, baby. It's gross. Katie's uh, face is like, oh. oh my god. Yep. Um, Wolfenstein Youngblood. Yeah, I heard you that. that. I didn't yeah, forget did about that. Out. That came out. Um... Trying to four. Ooh. I think we talked about trying earlier a couple episodes ago and didn't even. We thought we were still on number three. <laughs> so we didn't even know four <laughs> happened. Yeah. It's a shock to us. Which is both, ex- um, you know, it's both sad but exciting because you're like, oh shit, there's two new trying games. We're going to get it in a bunch of humble bundles in like two years. Just you wait. No, it's probably the next bundle. <laughs> I oh, had a I lot got of one. Fighting games. I had a lot of fighting games, wait, but I got, yeah. I got one. I got one. I got one. Sure uh rage 2 i still that's big on my radar just because it's on xbox game pass so it's like Doesn't in count. my mind but rage 2 came out that was a big fucking deal yeah it was Was it yeah it was, rage that was like 2. a huge release. i feel like it was a big deal when they announced it and then i did not hear you much you forgot it came out Hence the category. Yeah, I mean, well, oh wait, that came out. I was I didn't forget it came out. I just like don't have any opinion on it. It's just kind of like, yeah, that did come out this year. I didn't like forget about it. You know <laughs> it's what a, I mean? It's a it's softer, kind of gentler category. Yeah, yeah, yeah that just, came out. It it came out. <laughs> it released. That's kind of how I that feel about shirt, Days Gone a, too. It's like it yeah. came out. You know, it's like that oh yeah, came that out. happened. Um, <laughs> uh, Dead or Alive Six. Don't care. Oh yeah, that was also did come this out. year. Yeah. Did anyone play that? Did anyone into the the titty fighter 
game. I am, but I didn't. I didn't know it came out, and I didn't play it. So, wasn't it five? Five I'm was like pretty good, right? Part. I'm more into the titty part than the fight. As well as like less titty, right? That was the big controversy. This one had oh, like, less... I feel like every dead or alive yeah. is always a controversy about less titty. It was less titty than ever before, so people These are mad about it. Fucking SJWs are ruining gaming. <laughs> okay, um, that's all I got. I, I, I'm just afraid to read any more for fear that I got my information from a bad from a place that was real. Wasn't there a new Gears of War this year? Yeah, there yeah, was. Gears that's 5. In that's in a different category for me because I did play Gears 5, so it's I got I got a I got some categories for that. I what, what like else for you me though, I'm like, oh shit, that came out? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it, Honestly, it is a, for me, it's like anything kind of on game. Xbox kind of lies in that category because I never use my Xbox One. And it's like I pay for Game Pass for some reason and I will never cancel it because in my head I'm like, I s- still want to play all... I could just play Devil May Cry if I want to. But then I just don't want to turn on my... Because every time I turn on my Xbox, I have to like re-log in and then I have like a big-ass update to download and I don't have my Ethernet cable plugged into that console so it just takes forever and it's just like such a hassle. Sucks. Yeah. Um, what does anybody have anything else for what I have something I get why well, I, I have an interesting factoid on I was just looking at Gears of War on Wikipedia and literally the last paragraph of the like bio of Gears of War says former Naughty Dog developer Lucas Pope has stated that the Uncharted franchise drew inspiration from Gears of War with the first game in the series being delayed after the first Gears of War game released in order for certain core gameplay and technical elements to more resemble that of the latter. So Lucas Pope of Oberdin fame now has been on the record to state that the first Uncharted game was delayed to look more like Gears of War 1. So how about that for some... It's actually pretty funny. Wow. It's also funny that Lucas Pope is still just cited as former Naughty Dog developer. (laughs) I mean, that's why he's relevant in the context of that story. I don't know. But it's a Gears of War story. Yeah. So his, his in fact he used to work for Naughty Dog. Well, I guess no, because Naughty Dog. Yeah, I see. I see it. I see it. I see it. Here's another category I got for y'all: game people told you was good that wasn't that good. Fire Emblem. Oh. Okay. Why is that? I mean, I'll be. Uh, I'll be, uh, be honest. Good, like I was. I was under that Fire Emblem spell for like five hours and then I kept playing it and I just like don't like all the shit around the the battling. The battles Katie, are so Katie, fun. Katie, what? you got sucked into the weeb vortex where they try to convince you everything is really great and then you just get I mean, sucked I, in and you're like, wait a second, every, I'm playing a visual novel. I go through this with every Fire Emblem game. I don't yeah. know what... I feel like I want to like it because it seems like my shit... I love fucking str- like st- turn-based strategy like it's like the you best you gotta play the old shit ever since and awakening like, it's been different man yeah it's, it's just like i i feel like that's maybe what i have to do I have to like get my game boy and just fucking go no to dude town. just play the ones on gamecube path of radiant radiance then radiant dawn and then fire emblem was it there was sacred stones and then just fire emblem for game boy advance those are all yeah. great because I think my problem is, like, with the, these post-Awakening ones, I just have never liked the shit around it. I don't care about the romances, and this one I didn't care about the school stuff. I just want to, like, have a good story and some characters I like, and then do some cool battles. And it it's just too much of the other stuff. So that's my game that people told me is very good. 
And I don't think it was that great. I think it was ugly, too. Those textures look bad. That game looks busted, man. Right? Just it looks from screenshots, disgusting. It looks really bad. <laughs> yeah, it's like a bummer because I think the 2D sprite art was good in the other ones. Like, it was simple, but it worked. And I like the 2D, like, the character designs are still good in this game, but it just looks like garbage because they're like, well, we gotta do 3D because it's Switch. And it's like, it's nah, you like could have just done a badass 2D thing like Octopath did. Like, if it wasn't, like, Octopath style, but, like... Fire Emblem? That would have been kind of sick, but... I mean, that's different companies, obviously, but, you know, like, that... You could do pixel art in a modern-day thing and make it look really fucking cool. Yeah. And Fire Emblem just made it look like butt instead, so... <laughs> um, I have a list here. We've talked about most of these on the show before and why we find them disappointing, so we don't have to talk about them too much here, but my list of these, I got Telling Lies um oh yeah that game sucked i was so sad i missed the podcast that we talked about it on because i was so bummed i out liked it so much was. when i played it but i feel like i kind of agree now i feel like it did not stick with me like her story did it, but yeah. i really liked playing it the act of playing it was a good awful. time i don't think it's awful but it's not uh great not not that can great. i tell you my core complaint with this game to get sure. it out yeah on the record for bad in podcast is that the game is like supposed to be so like narrative and everything aside, the core like proposition of the game is that you are this sort of like cyber hacker, or whatever that's trying to hack this person's laptop with some like custom software to like go through their files. But the game doesn't actually give you that ability in the way that anybody that was doing that job would have it. Like there's no easy way to like, bookmark and time stuff and jump around between things and like smart tag and like seek back and forth quickly like the fact you have to go like second by second it's like with a tape like it's everything. worse than like a tape deck it's really it's it's like a fucking like dvd menu would be better yeah. than like the way this stuff happens and so it, it's like the it feels like the game is like just fundamentally crippling your ability to go through the tapes to make it be slow and arduous yeah. because like it's kind of fun at first you're like ah uh -huh. and then like when you have to go back and forth between stuff it's like by the end i had like a million bookmarks where i was just kind of like hacking their system to try to make it work for me but if there was just like any sort of niceties that any person that was actually occupying this role would have the game would be like so much better but it feels like the game relies on its like difficulty and traversal to try to make the narrative feel more compelling. And that just like started frustrating me more and more and more the more I played that game. Also, I was like, fuck this. So dumb. There's these moments where you're like, the character is webcam chatting, like Skype chatting with someone who's just talking at him for like three minutes straight. They're just like <laughs> delivering a monologue to him. And you're just looking at him and he's sitting there just like, looking blankly at the screen for three minutes or like listening yeah, to someone or there's, there's like a little girl listening to her dad read her a story over skype and you're just looking at this little girl's face for three minutes that you fast forward and it still takes a minute and a half to fast forward through it anyway. yeah it's just like so much stuff like that it's like it's the it's like the equivalent to like a third person action adventure game that has crafting where you have to just pick up everything on the ground anyways so there's not actually a choice. It's like, we well, just have to do that. Like yeah. the best way to play telling lies is just to watch all the videos from start to finish and then go to the next video. Yeah. And then instead of trying to like jump around because the system doesn't actually want you to jump around. It's like, well, I'll just watch the whole thing. There's gotta be so. a better way. Okay. Um, I got Sayonara wild hearts, the rhythm game with no rhythm, um, <laughs> outer yes. worlds, which I, 
lambasted at, at length for multiple episodes. Um, Untitled Goose Game. No. Ooh. Ooh, interesting take. Untitled Goose Game. I'm not, it's, it wasn't bad, but the game itself, not as good as the conversations that surrounded it or or the idea and promise of the game or even like the concept itself of the game is better than the game. You know what I'm saying? I don't know. I had a great time with that game. It was just cute. You walk around as a goose. You cause mischief. Like I like in the episode we recorded about goose game. I agree with like all our criticisms where it's like it would have been way better if they didn't have like a to do list and it was like more like less structured. It would have been like a way better game. But I feel like for what it is, it's just like really silly and fun. And I feel like it does deliver on the promise of it. And I think the it's like legs it's had in like the conversation has proven that it was successful in like its aim. Um, that's legit. I mean, this was like the hot that was probably my hot take in there. Um, <laughs> but, you know, I, when I think about that game, I'm not like, what a great game that was. I'm like, oh, the, 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 what a funny goose, you know? Um, yeah, creature in the well. We talked about that one a bit. Um, we did talk about that. I feel like th- this, these are games more that like you're getting more into games that were hyped, or like I don't know. I feel like you played Creature in the Well and Goose Game off your own volition, not because someone was like, Yo, you gotta play this. No, it's because I read about it and I was like, Oh, dude, oh, okay. this sounds awesome. It's like a roguelike pinball th- type thing, you know? Um, Gears 5 sorta i you know there's some reviews where like this is the best gears game since like gears three or some shit and i was like very i was not impressed um steam world quest the steam world card game wow you're like a stand for that series aren't you i mean i like steam world dig but it's a totally different game you know yeah. steam world quest is a card game that i did not fuck with dude it's like not that great there's a lot of really annoying shit in there that i discussed on this podcast as well um i really didn't like how it felt like almost like rock paper scissorsy with the way that the element stuff works where it's just like you have to build your like you have to do this fight fail it because you didn't put the right elements into your deck to fight this enemy because you didn't know that they were coming and then you die to that enemy you put those like fire cards in because it's an ice boss and then you go and fight the boss again and you, you win you know, that's not cool design. Anyway, um, and did anyone have a game people told you about that was good that was kind of disappointing when you play, actually played it? Mine was um, mine was actually a game from 20... I actually don't know when this came out, but I finally played Wolfenstein, the new one. Mm. Oh, know, yeah, because I think there's that R thing. We were like, you got to play it. It's just a, it's just a fucking shooter. I, don't, like, I tried to play it, and I was like, this is fun and dumb, but like, it's still... It is what it is. Um, but, but you, I didn't like hate it. That, for that is confirmation bias, Kyle. I in, feel like you had that. You had that thought in your head. The many. No, times I was going we, in. I was like, I was like, I gotta play a dumb shooter right now. And I played it, and I was like, sure is a dumb shooter. Um, it didn't feel like it was like more or like that. There wasn't some other like massive thing there. But mm, okay, well, I I'm not like I'm not against it. I still I'm trying. I'm like slowly working my way through it, but it wasn't some like revelation that kind of propelled me to want to finish it Um, oh i had another one pokemon everyone was saying Mm. pokemon like i read all the reviews they were all very positive and then pokemon was just okay it was just fine it didn't 
light my fire at all. Like I played it for like a weekend when I was in New York and then I haven't touched it ever since. (laughs) (laughs) I have like a plushie. I got like a Sobble plush because I thought it was very cute. And I think it has like the best new Pokemon of any in the series probably from since like Ruby. But like, man, it's just it's just fine. It's fine. It's an average Pokemon game. It's not the best nor the worst. I mean, that isn't. That's one of those big games I didn't really play that much or at all. Actually, um, I got a good category. That's not just about you know a game itself. Big moment award. So this is, you know, when you think of 2019, the games came out. This game, a big moment that like really struck a chord with you. That's like, hell yeah! I have one immediately. So, this is like a huge spoiler. So, I guess if you haven't played the 2019 game Devotion that was taken off Steam, or you don't, or I guess if you don't care about spoilers, then listen. But there's this moment at the end of Devotion where you're, I don't remember the particulars because it's been so long since I played it, but you are playing as this man, this like father, and he's kind of like, taking this like final right to like join this cult basically and part of it is he has to cut out his tongue and they show you doing that like grabbing your tongue and then you have to take i think it's like literally scissors and just cut off your tongue i'm trying to remember what it's it was like specifically a two-pronged, like curved yeah blade fork that you oh, have he god it's like on his tongue and just rips so the whole thing uncomfortable out. yeah yeah the sound on that is just grisly. And it just like feels gross. It's like a gross interaction because you're like, no, I'm not yeah. going to like every time. Like, like my partner and I just watched this stupid movie last night. That new Michael Bay movie on Netflix. Don't watch it. By oh, the way. Yeah. It's not good. Uh, but there's like a scene of them like fishing out like a, a bullet out of a person's wound. And I'm like, don't don't put your finger in. What the f-? like? I hate that. I hate <laughs> weird like. The most gore. minute, like, gore. Like, not even, like, silly gore, but, like, if you're just, like, zooming in. Yeah, yeah Cronenbergian like, shit right there. Ugh, that tongue scene in Devotion, though. It's just, like, it still is, like, the one thing I, like, really remember about that game, but I never want to talk about it when I'm, like, writing about that game. So it's, like, I don't want to spoil it because it's so shocking when you play because you're, like, what the fuck? This is fucked up. Yeah. But... It's, it's a big moment. Uh, such a good, it's such a good moment. It's a great moment. I mean, that game's full of good moments. Like, I also like the scene where you're in the storybook. It's a great, like, diversion. Oh, yeah, yeah. That's a great And there's some good needle sequence. drops in general. Yeah, there's... What are we talking? Are we talking moments and games or moments and gaming? Moments games. and games. Oh, and games. Oh, I was thinking moments and gaming. What was your I moment in gaming? Oh, I'll stick to the theme first. Run moments and games. Um... If it's gonna I, take, one of my yeah, go ahead. One of my goatees this year is uh, Piku Niku, and if you haven't played it, it's just this is not gonna sound like a fun moment, but just like the the moment in Piku Niku when you find out who Ernie is. Um, have you guys played Piku Niku? No, that's when I gotta I play. S- I got it on the it. Switch sale recently, so I'm gonna play it soon. Yeah, basically, like there's a family of worms, and they lost. Uh, they like lost this worm named Ernie and you have to go find Ernie. It's just like when you find Ernie, it's just really funny and like kind of cute. Um, and it's just sweet. So it's all, I mean, actually one, one thing that's kind of related that I will share that everyone here at this podcast could relate to is, uh, 
just like reaching the top of the mountain in a short hike. It's just, it's just a great oh, moment. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that is a good That's moment. A yeah. And then subsequently flying down the mountain. Like yeah. just that whole little arc is great just, moment. It's just that's a great moment. Just fully all the way through. It's just precious and sweet in a way that like it's not cloying. It's just kind of nice. Um, and the game like knows how to celebrate it too. Uh, both and like you're right when you're ascending the mountain to like the last part, as well as when you're going down. Like it does a sort of special mode where it kind of changes the sound and stuff. So it like the game acknowledges what you're doing in a kind of a special way. So yeah. Good, just a sweet moment. By the way, I my skin looks like good right now. Like in this, I don't know if it's yeah, you're glowy. It's kind of yeah. like I'm looking dewy right you're now. Like, I don't whoa, know. Like, man. I it's like you, I'm feeling nice, like fresh. It, it looks like you got that Glossier skin tint on, dude. Uh, you got <laughs> I put my uh, one step Cos RX. Um, ah, I see. I see. The uh, the little AHA type. Anyway, that stuff works, guys. Pick it up. Um, <laughs> anyway, back to my video game moments um beating genichiro for the first time in sekiro oh triumph better than any um good feeling sexual thing <laughs> um better than any dark souls boss i beat it i beat it i beat um did you yell when you beat it no i was just like eat it like I just like felt like <laughs> F you. I'm good at this game. The thing, if you beat a boss in Sekiro, it's because you're good. It's because you fucking are good at the game and you beat it. Not because you gr- uh, you did enough grinding to beat it, but you beat that shit. When you do something that felt impossible an hour ago, feels good. And it's your, your own skill. Feels good. Great moment. Microcosm, a lot of other moments in that game. Um, I got to play that fucking game. That's a game you got. I play. got out. I started yeah. it. And I, I'm not far because I was playing Death Stranding, but so I got on Black Friday. So I think I think it's like my. I'm about to go on my big holiday break, so I think it's going to be my holiday break game. Ooh. Yeah, so. do it. Um, Nothing like having a holiday break, like stressing in the From Software game. Yeah, right. I need some stress in my life, and if it's not work stress, it's going to be From Software stress. It has to be something. Other great moments. When Mads cries in Death Stranding. <laughs> yeah. I talked about that one recently. Yeah, and also man. I mean, now that I beat it, so yeah. it's like now I understand you what you're it, meaning. You get it, yeah? Yeah, I get it, Did dude. you get yeah. some tears? Did you get that an emotional dude, it response? That gives a performance. He it's does. like, yeah. I was like, damn, he's he's going in. It's like, fuck. And then Norman. Yeah. Also, Norman's Norman really cries. good. Norman's Norman cries. Like, and it's like, oh, I feel shit. like Norman in that whole last this whole last few, like that last, I guess, fourth of the game. I feel like he does really, he does really good. He's like, he does. He really, and honestly, like for some of the game, you're like, is he he's just doing it? He's like, kind of too like one note, like, but yeah, but then he, he kind of like it, it pays off. Yeah, he whips it out. Die hard, men. He goes like melodrama. Oh, that is like sec. too much. That scene he has is like embarrassing. I was like, dude, he needs a 
This, is like, this scene's going on way too long. Because at that point, the game had already rolled credits like twice. And I was like, I just want to be fucking done at this point. <laughs> why isn't he? Why is he just crying in this hallway? Dude, but For it's so like, long. And it's it, just like, dude. It didn't feel like the acting was too much. It felt like the acting was good. It felt oh, like. Oh, no. The Die Hard was like way too the much. The moment was too much. You know? It was so. And it was long. What's it was so like great. a. Tw- it's like a 20 minute sequence of them in that hallway. It's like, God I damn. It. I and love it. Because it was also like two something in the morning for me. Because I was like at like 10 o'clock at night. I was like, it was I was midway through like chapter 10. And I was like, I can take this home. And then I was up till like 3 a.m. on a work night finishing that fucking game. Watching. That's what I'm like scared to crying in a hallway. Game. Oh, it's, it's so like good. it feels like every time you play it, you have to sit down for like six hours just because you don't know what. I mean, not necessarily. It's like more towards the end of the game for sure because I did not anticipate having to sit down <laughs> for like six hours. Uh, but like when you're just in like chapter eight or chapter three, like those like chapters where they're really long, but you're just delivering packages. It's like I never felt like like I, sometimes I would just do like one mission and I'd be like, all right, I'll play more another night. I really took my time with it, and I think I enjoyed it a lot more because I was, like, very slow with it. Yeah. And also, it telegraphs a lot of those moments where it's like, you know a big scene is gonna be, about to come up. And okay. PS4 sleep mode, dude. Sleep mode. Just Ooh. put that shit to sleep. You know what I'm saying? That's what I love about the PS4. Um, The silence in the church. Disco Elysium. Oh, yeah. Oh, I mean, yeah. there's so many moments there's- in Disco Elysium. It's almost like, like we should have a whole podcast moments. dedicated to it. Dialing one too many phone numbers in the phone booth. Um, oh my god! Whew. That whole sequence at the end, when when the whole, you're on the island. That's yeah. my favorite sequence. That's my favorite moment of that game. I think. Actually, yeah, I still have the. Oh man, the music's like still really stuck fast? in my head, like from that scene. You know, it's like yeah. that. It's like such a beautiful. I just movie. like there was that. Um, I feel like it was like Doc Buford on Twitter just said that thing a few months ago about like just asking if a game has ever changed someone's like philosophical perspective. Oh, yeah. And I feel like the conversation at the very end of the game, like the like the conversation that I think everyone's referring to, like there's some parts of that where I'm like, damn. Yeah, that's crazy. Yeah, like that's just some that's some real shit. That's like, fuck, that's just good. Um, that's real good for more discussion on this listen to the superculture review season one savoir fairy disco elysium podcast check that out um those are my moments um let's see dope but not my thing oh dope but not my thing i got one all right i like that name (laughs) the friends of ringo ishikawa dope but not my thing you know a beat-em-up guy (laughs) it's i mean is it really i don't really consider that to be a beat-em-up i mean it's like a it's basically like any other what's it called trying to think of the japanese name not river state ransom it just but not that there's like the japanese (laughs) i don't know i played for like a, a, a bit um and i just kind of bounced off it but i was like the whole time i played i was like this is really cool and then i never played it again um Ape out. Dope. Not my thing. Was that this year? Yeah. Ape out was this year. Damn. Yeah, I played like an hour or two of that and I was like, yep. And then I stopped playing it. I finished it. I liked it, but it's like not a game that stuck with me. Like on my big spread, I keep a big spreadsheet of every game I play during the year. 
and I highlighted it in yellow, which is usually my indicator that I really liked it. But when I was going and making my top 10 list for my site, I was like, I don't think it's going to be on there. Like, it was kind of like a quick, like, nah, it's not like it didn't stick with me. Dope. Very cool like a- soundtrack, though. I feel but like this is a game that has like a almost like the inverse problem of Goose Game where like it's all on the execution is really good, but you only ever know it for its execution. I don't know. That, that yeah. Maybe it's different. Yeah, that's no, that fair. makes sense. Like this, this is a sort of game that people will play in like galleries and shit for the next like 10 years, um, but it didn't necessarily register on like the gamer radar. Like it's it's less than the sum of its parts. <laughs> somehow yeah oh god <laughs> you know i i have i have a good one for this category i think devil may cry 5 for me is a dope but not my oh, thing oh yeah because i feel like that game's it looks great it's very polished it's like mm-hmm. from all i could tell it seems like a great action game but for some every devil may cry game i've just like not been able to get into for some reason and i don't know what mm. it is about it because i feel like they seem like they're my jam like they seem like corny cool art direction i don't know they seem silly in like a way i could get behind but i've just i tried devil may cry 5 and i was like this is like i just can't i just can't i do always this. feel like i'm playing it suboptimally yeah maybe and i don't that know maybe be. it's the grades but bayonetta is one where i'm like yeah I, it feels way, like the flow feels way better like it feels like more yeah, like i'm getting like more out of it one of the greatest action games ever made and there's something that like i don't know what is that like makes me really like bayonetta and makes me not like don't make cry because like i feel like people are usually fans of both of those series but mm-hmm. yeah definitely a dope but not my thing <laughs> for reasons i do not understand i've just never uh. never been able to click um void bastards dope uh yeah i mean i wouldn't say it's dope but i would say it was i mean i guess the art style is dope you're a thing but whatever yeah some somewhere in there it's somewhere in there i had to put i had to put void bastard somewhere um and this is what was the um, i might have made this category for friends of ringo ishikawa and void bastards fit in there (laughs) what about uh indivisible oh i haven't played it so i cannot speak to it that i want to play it game though. by the people who did a uh, skull girls mm, i didn't play it where it was like a character it's, action fighting it's valkyrie profile platform. but from lab zero games instead yeah. yeah basically i was like dope but eh, I, don't, I don't care about animation yeah. that much and it, i'm not a don't care about valkyrie profile either so i was like i don't know it seems like it does a really good job of what it's trying to do but that's not me yeah, I want to play that one day. When it goes on sale, I think I'll finally pick it up. But yeah, like came out like in October, the busiest fucking month. So it's like I had no chance to play it. And now, but maybe that could be a holiday game. I don't know. Now I'm trying to weed out what game to play over the holidays on this podcast. I mean, Watom comes out tomorrow. Oh, so. I reviewed that. Yeah. <laughs> oh, Everyone what should man, play with what a man, what a man, what Everyone a should play Watom. <laughs> Um, I, have one, I have one more for this category, not to derail it, which is uh, control. I'm just, mm. I know you guys probably like it, but I just feel like I cannot be bothered with a third person shooting game. I just don't care. No, that's fair. Fair enough. I mean, I feel like that's the most boring thing about it. And that's we all like doing it. it. We like it, but uh, we'll, we like we'll it. We that. like it. I'm not, I'm not saying I don't like it. I'm saying dope. Not my yes. thing. You know? That's what I like about yeah. this category. Yeah. You know, that's what I like about this category. It, it acknowledges opinion. And you know what? 
my last one for this dragon quest builders to a game that i praised highly on this show at length um but i it just didn't like i didn't keep playing it and uh it's really dope amazing game could have been you know my top 10 if i had more space but uh i don't but uh not really not Not as much my thing yeah still great (laughs) great game really great game amazing game um next game uh category beautifully brain dead bastard i oh wait i have a i have a subtitle for this category now that i realize what this category is yeah uh well actually i don't know this might be a different category so we'll go ahead and do yours first because they, they but they might there might be some overlap with my category and your category okay this is just so. a game that you kind of play yeah. you turn off your brain and you just you go with oh, okay it. this is different um okay bloodstained symphony 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 of the night definitely a beautifully brain dead bastard um anything that has a good sliding mechanic in it pretty brain dead (laughs) i don't oh okay i was like what does this category even mean yeah it's like Like, this is like the like something you play brain dead like a podcast game kind of like a a podcast game game. podcast best podcast game Apex. That's a big podcast game for me. Wow, I feel like you I play that. a terrible teammate. That's well, amazing. I, even when I play with like my t- even when I play with my friends, it's like we're not fucking talking about the game whatsoever. We're just like That's shooting incredible. the shit. I mean, we do the pinging and stuff. That's the great thing about Apex. You don't need to talk. Yeah, you just pings true. like, hey, there's a door open over there, and it's like, hey, I'm gonna go over here with your ping, and then you go over there, and then you get in a firefight. Maybe That's you don't. True. I don't know. I, you know, I had it's kind of about, like I had actually thought about uh apex for this category i didn't include it be for my own list because i tend to talk strategy with my teammates i tend to go oh like hey you go over there we'll flank whatever now it's me at pub g for lot, sure yeah I'm but a lot like of the time apex. it's just like shooting the shit and then it's like oh uh can i have that shock that eva or whatever you know stuff like that so more so i'm like this with call of duty actually i feel like that's Mm. more my brain dead game probably because that game requires zero thought i don't give a shit i'm just playing team deathmatch (laughs) that's all i do domination maybe that cyber attack because that's a pretty fun mode uh yeah and that's just me and my friend just talking about what's going on with our lives and that's it because i have one call of duty friend this year it's really sad last (laughs) black ops 4 last year I feel like everyone I knew was playing Black Ops. It was so fun. It was like every day I had someone new to play a game with. And now it's like I have this one person that I have to text for him to go online. I'm like, hey, you want to play some COD? And then he'll say yeah or he'll say no. Yeah. And that's it. Rest in peace to my COD playing days. Mm-hmm. Um, Mine is Void Bastards. It's just like... That's a brain dead bastard I like right the there. loop of that game. Literally. You just turn it on, do some... Yeah, Literally. You do some runs, get some items, feels good, pop out. Yeah. Um, and honestly, like in this category too, is like ongoing updates to Forza Horizon 4, 3. Yeah, Forza Horizon I don't 4. Even what I had, is. But then I realized I can't Have you played the new but... Battle Royale yet? They put a Battle Royale no, in Forza. No, I haven't played that yet. What? I want to check it out. It sounds crazy. You do like, you're all on the island, and then you do like races with each other to determine who's like gonna keep going it sounds like really fun i definitely want to like but i never turn on my xbox so i'll probably never play it but it sounds really cool i actually don't know if it's out yet but i saw like news about it game pass yeah i got that it seems sick game pass um grindstone oh yeah yeah 
throwing that one at you. I would say I got burned out on Grindstone after a while where I was like, all right, I get it. And then, but I feel you. It's a good, like, that game just feels good in a very specific way. Once <laughs> yeah, it gets yeah, too yeah. hard, I like tap out. Like literally once it goes past brain dead, it's like having to think about it. I'm like, nah. <laughs> mm. <laughs> yeah. I don't want to engage. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Next category I got here. Most flawed masterpiece. Oh my Death God. Stranding. I'm putting that yeah, one up there. I would say Death Stranding is pretty easy. because It's, it's like a very flawed masterpiece. Pretty polarizing. Yeah. It has some it's issues. Like, like, what's got like the, the 9.2? That's the thing is like it's like a nine point two to me is like flawed masterpiece is like a seven out of ten to me like Death Stranding is oh, like okay. a solid three out of five flawed masterpiece is like eight, eight I seven it. I like giving flawed masterpieces like a ten out of ten because fuck that shit you know have an opinion I I'm gonna give <laughs> I give not, like Death Stranding like a nine point five one of the best games of the year easily yeah because it's flawed okay. masterpiece yeah. but the flaws are like you know I don't care. I don't care about the flaws. It's like he fucking went for it. Yeah. He really just tried. Yeah. The ma- emphasis on the masterpiece, you know? Let's do that. I guess that makes sense. So like I so I reviewed with Tom. This is not, I'm not saying with Tom's a flawed masterpiece. I do really love it. But uh with Tom has some like significant technical issues. Like every review also is like talking about like super duper frame rate drips, like or dips. And like, like I had like get-go. a save data bug that I had to start all the way over from the beginning, which really sucked. Uh, and it's like that stuff like really pisses like or not pisses me off, but like really frustrates me as a reviewer on a deadline. But I still mm. love that game so much that I was like it didn't factor into my score because I was like, this is probably going to be patched out, which I mentioned in my review. I was like, this is this shit's going to be patched out. But, you know, it's the reviewers tilt. It's what you value. Like Disco exactly. Elysium isn't even perfect. Like. The map system sucks. I wish there's a way to track your checks easily. Yeah. That type of stuff. The UI like a little no, the bit map smoother. Definitely felt broken like so much. I do thinking. think it's just I do think it's like a perfect game despite like it's one of those where like any flaw with that game doesn't even fucking matter in the yeah, context. Exactly. For me, you know? Like Disco Elysium to me is still like a five out of five game. Yeah. Like it's like not like I the, I would mention those things in the review as like these bugged me a little bit, but it's like a perfect game. Yes. In every other respect. So um I got a little novel. Do you guys remember when uh my beautiful Dark Twisted Fantasy got a ten out of ten on pitchfork? Oh yeah. Absolutely. I remember waking up that morning like fucking Christmas and looking at that and <laughs> yeah. Oh it's my like, god. They, you see they, like they, the sun shining brighter they today. Did it. Yeah, like it's like they really did it. I listened to it and I was like, This is the fucking best record. This is what a ten out of ten made. record sounds like. Yeah. Um it's got the braggadocio and like the larger than lifeness to like make you believe it's a 10 out of 10 too. You know what I'm that's, saying? That's oh, why yeah. I think a 10 out of 10. Yeah. That's why I think like a flawed masterpiece 10 out of 10 is. It's like someone who's decade? really just going for it with like everything. Like they're yeah. not holding back. And it's got like all the rough edges of what that means. Yeah. Because like obviously there's no such thing as a perfect record, but there's definitely such thing as a record where someone just like gave it their all and was like the best you know manifestation of exactly. that i think like death stranding like you're saying is like so much that where it's like i mean kojima had basically no barriers to just do what he wanted to do and fucking did it yeah so got a little novelty category here games i confused for one another this year um <laughs> outer wilds and outer, outer worlds, worlds and outer we're worlds. done oh, it no. was created for that um as an editor i have had to fix so many people calling outer wilds the outer wilds 
and Outer Worlds just Outer Worlds. I have had to fix it literally in any story that's talking about either one because it, it's just like no wow. one gets it right. And it's like, there's no the in Outer Wilds. I can do them all the time when i'm reading about these games and i played both of them and i loved one and didn't like the other um the other ones i actually have astral chain and code vein on here <laughs> oh yeah i don't know the difference between Those these sound, games still yeah i agree it's still a miss i'm not gonna explain it then i was like you like live your life one is confused. like a vampire like- shit and then one's like future cops or some shit. Yeah, mm. you're right. You're on the right track. You got you got the differences down. Yeah, but I would hear about one, and I'm like, oh, that's the um the the zombie vampire thingy, and then I was like, no, that's the other one, but I forgot what the other one was called. You know, um, yeah, those are those 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 ones. Um, LTFD award for letdown in games. Oh, big letdowns. Uh, I got some just to keep to get your brains going here. Kingdom Hearts 3, my top one. Uh, I love Kingdom Hearts (laughs) because it was simple and clean, (laughs) and it was neither simple nor clean. Um, So fuck that shit. Fuck Kingdom Hearts 3. Fuck you, Josh. Fuck you. Fuck Kingdom Hearts 3. (laughs) Fuck Mickey Mouse. Fuck fucking. (laughs) This is going too far. Dude, honestly, dude. Fuck the teacups. Fuck the train ride. Yeah, those those things do suck. That does suck. That was the wor- they. I heard in the critical mode patch you can like toggle that off now, which is like you guys knew it fucking Wait, sucked, and you put it in this game. Patch? So they put in a a mo- um, patch for critical mode, which is the hardest difficulty in Kingdom Hearts three. Oh god. Well, fuck. Like, um, on spring. Fuck anyway. all the cutscenes that are like half an hour long. That's just like Mickey <laughs> looking at Donald, waiting to talk. Overland. Yeah, Overland. I feel oh, like God. for me is a, a big one. That's a letdown. Yeah. Dude. Oh man. That game seemed so cool. I really loved when I demoed it like ages ago. It seemed like sick. Mm-hmm. And then it's not, and it's a big shame because, man, they've been making that game for a long time and then it didn't turn out great. Speaking it's a bummer. of games I gotta play, Manifold Garden. Oh, yeah, Potential that came out. Other that came out. Oh, God. <laughs> but I've heard it's pretty good. You know, it, yeah, it I've heard kinda, it's pretty good I've too. Heard, like, nothing yeah. got lost in the shuffle. I should have got to write that down. I mean, that's like, Lost in the Shuffle is a good category because I think the whole Apple Arcade launch like speaking of which so much shit big letdown yeah ltfd apple arcade ltfd award for letdown in games apple arcade is up there as of now it could turn it around I feel- <laughs> really i feel like there's so many games in that lineup that i was like super into. i know i think the lineup was dope but yes. like i have yet to see a new game on there that i'm like that looks cool i am manifold garden um, that came out in october but it's like but didn't apple arcade launch in september yeah but the other thing is that like I agree. The lineup was great. It it has been cool, but it ended up having the effect of like making these games less cool than they would be if they launched on their own. You know, like fucking Jenny mm. McClue, dude. Like Mutazione, dude. All that shit gone. Manifold Garden. Okay. Um, oh yeah, Over the Alps is another good one from the launch that no one talked about. It's like this adventure game, kind of like, uh. What what's that game? Oh my god, I'm drawing such a blank. 
the something days. Oh my god, why am I drawing a blank on this? 80 days. 80 days. It's basically like 80 days, but an espionage store. It's like pretty oh, cool. That's cool. And it was like a good art style. I would say a major letdown for me would be I think Pokemon for me. Pokemon, yeah. That's like the Because I think I was like I was definitely expecting that thing that I think a lot of people were expecting, which was like the Breath of the Wild ing of the Pokemon franchise. Yeah. And just to like read it and see the videos and be like, oh, it's still just that same old ass fighting system with like an open world is like I don't want I, I don't want to do that. It does, it's not do even like an open world. That's years. overselling it. That's overselling the wild area stuff. It's like there's a world you can run around and hit some Pokemon. Like there's like changes to the game that are for the better. Like having the box always with you. No more random battles. Like that stuff's great, but it just didn't feel like enough of a step up. Like it just felt like these minor like. Uh, quality of life fixes and it's like a bummer like the pokemon in that game are great and like it's man it just didn't get didn't hit the heights i wanted to it's such a shame because it's could have been great it could have been amazing and like i i'll be excited to see what they do next i wonder if they'll take all these criticism that's gotten to heart because everyone's still mad about the pokedex shit but man it's definitely like my big yeah that's probably my biggest disappointment of the year um one letdown for me has been blasphemous um because that game looks dope as shit but it plays like a butt (laughs) fair enough it's annoying i don't even remember what this is it's the game that looks like super metal and it's like it's like dark souls Souls. yeah um team 17 man that just made by team 17 that's the publisher. Different developer. Never mind. You're correct. You know the difference um, between uh, publisher and developer, but way better than I do. Published I do. by Team uh, 17. Published by Team 17. Um, Unusual for them, but cool. That just reminds me, I don't know if we'll ever talk about this game because none of us have probably played it besides me, but the new Shovel Knight expansion. Oh, Final oh expansion yeah. Came out. I haven't played that yet. I wanted. To, I heard Showdown Dude, was good it's too. It's so though. good. It's Showdown is a whole fucking fighting game inside of shovel knight and it's like really good and i was i've been replaying the first campaign of shovel knight and it's so good like i just shovel knight is an amazing game like if i was going to make an actual game of the decade episode shovel knight would totally be on that list because they nailed everything about that game the feel is so good just like man shovel knight is so good up and down so dope but not not a letdown shovel knight personally dope but not for you Totally fine. The first Shovel Knight, I was like, this is dope. Not for me. Man, um, my boss loves Shovel Knight, and she's been talking up Showdown. She's like, it's so good. Dope I'm from like, not, but not for me is a great category, by the way. That's, yeah. I'm proud of myself. Um, <laughs> uh, Let's see here. I got a category. I got a category yeah. for you. Let me hit you with the category. You ready for me. this? Mm-hmm. Most indie bullshit. <laughs> I got two nominees for you right off gimme, the bat. Gimme, gimme, gimme. Ready? Sea of Solitude, Vane, also honorary <sighs> 2018 winner, Gris. Oh, I actually just started playing a pretty indie bullshit game that, I mean, I haven't p- finished it yet, but from what I'm I seeing so Sea far. I reviewed Sea of Solitude and that game is just not good. And it, I feel bad because it feels very personal, <laughs> you know? It's like, There's some, some peak indie BS right there. Yeah, it's a, a, a lot of it. I don't know. It's not great. <laughs> so, may we have our winner already. I am currently playing though. 
a Plague Tale innocence. All right. Oh yeah, how oh, is really? I've heard like good things, but I also don't think it looked good. So I'm that's like, why I've been like a couple hours in, and I'm very lukewarm on it. Uh, mm. It's it's very it's like stealth escort mission game. Uh, that's not yeah. That's why it so, sounded miserable to me. I was like, that doesn't sound fun. I'm not really enjoying it that much. Uh, and it's I mean, but is it indie? Is it like indie stuff I, though, or is it something I think separate? It's like Double like, A Studio. Yeah, it's a Double A. It's I would put it in there with like Hellblade, which isn't like yeah. indie. I feel like indie, the indie BS category is like it's that sort of thing that like you know, it's like the it's it's just like it's that indie style that like we don't know how to like. I mean, Sinar Wild Hearts, I feel like, is kind of in this area. Yeah, Sinar Wild Hearts, pretty much indie bullshit to me. I, but that's like sort of like a dope, a dope, but not for me. But I don't think it's that dope, you know? I mean, it could be in, you know, it could be in multiple categories. Oh, yeah, no, for sure. I feel like I'm these games are popular in part because overlap. they're for someone, yeah. you know? There's overlap yeah. there, is what I'm saying. But it is indie bullshit, for sure. Um, a game I played too much of, Outer Worlds. Even one hour would have been too much, though. And I played like 40. Uh, that took you 40 hours to realize an hour. Kingdom Hearts too 3, much. for the same reason. I should have just let it go after a couple hours, and I played like 23. Um, that's like almost a day. I feel like I like I don't have Go this on. problem. I'm just like, I'm not going to play this. See, Kyle, I mean, sometimes I have to for a review. <laughs> I feel like, like I don't have a choice. Different sort of have to shackles that you have to... Yeah, it's, that sucks. I do it because I'm a fucking <laughs> gamer and I can't stop myself. I played. Hold on, let me load up Steam. I played an absurd amount of Overland, even though I didn't like it. Uh, How much Overland did you play? I'm loading up Steam right now to check. It was definitely over 20 hours. God. Um, Wolfenstein Youngblood is another one that I played. I mean, I reviewed like all these games. That I'm like, I feel like fall in this category of games I reviewed. <laughs> Like Ancestors, I would have not played that for longer than five oh, hours. That game that has such out. a cool concept and just like, man, what was I looking up again? I already forgot what I was looking up. How long up. you played Overland? Overland. Okay, here I go. Do, 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 do. 22 hours. Ugh. Mm. That's a lot of time to play any game, especially Overland. Yeah. I don't even think I, because I think in my reveal, I even adjusted, I didn't even get technically to the end. I just like had played so much at a point where I was like, I, I can't, I have a, I am not going to change my opinion on this. And I mentioned like, I think I only hit like, I think there's like nine or eight biomes and I only hit like six or seven of them. I did not get like actually... I forgive you. End. I forgive you for not finishing that, Katie. I mean, I mentioned it in my review, and it's like, I, it's fair. It's like that game is not changing enough in those last sections. Like, it doesn't really change from biome to biome, aside from visually in different monsters. So I didn't feel like that. Like, otherwise, I would be like, I'm delaying my review. I refuse to write a review until I finish. But that was like a case of, now nah, this is the same fucking game for like a long time, and I'm not going to. How many it. times do you think like beating a game has actually changed your opinion on it? what you developed in the first like few hours of playing a lot. Yeah. It depends. Yeah, yeah. Like I feel like it's, it's like when it kind of all kind of, like death stranding was like an example of that for me. Cause I feel like through most of death stranding, I was only into like the package delivering and asynchronous multiplayer part of it, but beating it, like I feel like the story like really comes home in like a satisfying way and stuff. And I 
like appreciated it more um just seeing how it all comes together uh, and uh, for a lot of other games i feel like it's like a closing of the loop thing where it's like if i didn't beat it yeah i can't say if it's good or bad but then a lot of games i'll finish it and i'm like okay that was bad i feel okay saying that was not that great yeah you know definitely Close the loop type thing yeah like yeah, there's yeah, definitely yeah. some games where it's like i know within the first few hours it's like if i think it's gonna be good or not but like i feel like finishing a game helps me like fully form my thoughts because yeah. i'll have seen the whole experience from beginning to end for sure well i just think like i worked in film creation for a bit and i was working for some film festivals and it's pretty common in film festivals because you get so many submissions that most film festival curators like you have like you know two or three like kind of lead curators of a festival but then you have a lot of kind of junior and associate curators and what those people do is basically pre-screen films before sending it to the heads. Mm. So usually within like, I mean, it's, it's totally common practice and everyone knows this, that for films, like most people will only watch the first like five or 10 minutes of your film. Um, and then if it's good or not, they'll either just totally disregard it or they might finish watching it instead of someone else. So it's like, I guess it's strange because like you're saying in most things, most games, I think people expect like reviewers to basically totally, you know, beat the whole game before they say, like, deliver a value proposition on it. But it's weird when you're kind of in that space where it's clearly not a good game, um, and you still have to like slog through the thirty hours of the thing anyways to like meet some quota of like necessity or something. I mean, I don't know. Some um, games take a while to get started to like the good stuff, you know, like the it doesn't get good till 10 hours in is like a common refrain. I feel like fuck that, which is like, stupid, no. but like it is stupid, but like that's a bad game. <laughs> I don't, don't want to deal with that. It's just that's so dumb. Like, I feel like like if, if I was going to do like an IGN score, like how much a game respects my time should be like one of the little like next to graphics and audio. Speaking of which, segue. I, well, we got a lot, a couple last um, categories, but let's light, lightning around through these. I got a couple, and if you have something to add, just add it. We don't have to discuss that much because we should we should move on. But um, uh, best game under three hours, the Jerky Award, uh, a short hike, the Jerky, ooh. a short hike, yeah, a short hike. I was like a short hike, one hundred percent. Yeah, I think we can all agree there. Um, or actually, wait, how long? Devotion was also very short, right? About five hours. Devotion's like two and a half. Oh, okay. Not, oh, not no. quite jerky yeah. material. Okay. It's yeah. sort of short jerky. Hike. I think one could consider that, though. It's like small steak. Yeah. Untitled Goose Game. Mm -hmm. It's up there, too. Um, mm -hmm. Even though I don't like the game as that much itself. Um, Bitch. Hmm. Um, <laughs> 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 let's see. Critic Bubble Award for game that did numbers without people noticing um auto chess dota auto chess oh, i feel yeah. like that still didn't get its due because by the time it had like by the time critics noticed it like journalists noticed it it was like tft was the thing you know um but even then i feel like there's just like esports bubble of journalism they just like don't pay attention yeah but even then like it took a little while for them to pick up on that um remnant from the ashes was another one because that was big on steam oh definitely huge on yeah. steam not huge in the critical conversation um but also other sh other stuff like that like um like isn't like rings of elysium still big the like crytek battle royale game maybe i don't i don't know man that's what i'm saying like you're like maybe like i'm pretty sure that's like a top seller on steam consistently yeah there's like so many of these things if you just like follow like top sellers on steam you're like whoa I that's do. um but 
you know, a lot of them I didn't end up really actually picking up or whatever. A lot of them are like battle royales and shit like that. But also like Total War Three Kingdoms, mm. like just big strategy yeah. stuff. Um, Age of Wonders Planetfall, I feel like is a big hit yeah. with like strategy nerds because that's like it's basically like four X, but also XCOM. Like that's like the big draw of the Age of Wonders games. Uh, like my coworker yeah, yeah. is like so into it. He's like, this game's great, and no one's talking about it. Yeah. Do we want to do our top ten games and then go into? I can't. I'm not revealing mine because I have a list going up on usgamer.net next week, and I'm still messing around with it. So I don't want to like oh, say so all the podcasts. Wow, you can't here break for your exclusive. I can't break my exclusive. Okay. I'd feel wrong to Fair. do it. I I can go over my list then. That works. Um, I got ten ten entries here carefully curated 10 i got some honorable mentions didn't make the my list but that i considered strongly one of which apex legends untitled goose game are these in order um no these are my honorable mentions it's not on my list um wait apex came out this year yeah yeah it came out like god yeah that's what i'm saying man the april black hole wow i did not realize that was this year it was this year that's insane Um, katana zero dope Ooh, i really like that game actually um and what the golf cool game oh yeah mm-hmm. yeah, yeah 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 what the golf very cool funny game creative endlessly definitely worth playing check that shit out if you haven't okay so now on to my actual top 10 list here we got slay the spire oh i don't think that came out this year it was last year. It didn't. It officially came out this year, but the it was in uh, okay. open early, early access. access. Yeah, it officially launched gotcha. this year. So we're counting it. Okay. Slay the Spire, okay. number 10 on my list. Number nine, Control. We we talked about this a couple of weeks ago on the indie episode, but you got to admire a AAA doing something like they're, they're taking influence from different things, not your typical... Um, type of fiction not your typical sci-fi shit that you see in these games there's a bit more abstraction to this a lot more focus on architecture that i really liked some of the beginning parts are very like weird with its prose and writing that i really enjoyed kind of loses that thread by the end of the game gives away a little too much as far as like exposition is concerned i think it becomes a little hammy but uh i do like the game and i appreciate what it's doing so it's number 10 on my list number nine or number eight. No, I'm sorry. Control was number nine. Number eight on my list. Observation. No code. Oh, yeah. I got to play the that. The game where you're uh, an AI on a freaking ship and some crazy stuff starts happening. And you're like controlling all these cameras on the ship. You're like opening doors for the woman on the ship. You're kind of going through all this stuff. I had a big no code phase this year. I played uh, Stories Untold really awesome amazing exercise in economical game design something that i've brought up many times on this podcast before but it's this game design that does so much with very with relatively little you know in in a world where it, it feels like a single player game in order to like accomplish something big or impressive has to like be massive and have thousands of people working on it that are like just fucking nameless and they're just fade into oblivion. They don't get the recognition they deserve. It's cool that you get games like these that are like, you know, they're smaller in scope, but that are still able to accomplish a lot by focusing on the right things 
and putting everything into that. Um, something I really appreciate about that game. So that's number eight, observation. Number seven, devotion. Come on. Fucking yep. great game. <laughs> Come, Come on. on. What are you doing? It might it might even be in my top three mm. games uh, of the year. Very easy to consider as a top three game of the year, easily. Number six, Resident Evil 2 remake. Yeah, man. Oh, man. You love that game. That's a game I feel like weirdly people people were up on on the beginning of the year and then it fell off for some reason, even though it's like the best Resident Evil game, period. It's straight up just like the best Resident Evil game. I would argue that. It's so good. Yeah, it's up there with Resident Evil 4 probably i yeah. might have enjoyed resident evil 4 is too long resident evil 4 is way too long resident know. evil 4 is like first half is like the best resident evil game ever made truthfully <laughs> but then it just keeps going yeah it doesn't know when to end and it's like you keep checking your watch like 20 hours in like oh, it's still going okay i really dug the multiple playthroughs how um they make the they give the game an entirely different tone depending on what playthrough you're on because the stuff that you have at your disposal disposal changes the dynamics of survival so much um and it's it's like game design and storytelling through the weapons that you have the tools that you have that make it so that like your play style and the style of survival switches up based on who you're playing as which i really fucking dig about that game i wrote about that in detail over at bullet points which is under superculture network folks go check that out uh man i'm finding all these plugs um number five a short hike yeah (sighs) just beautiful easy to approach charming poignant and and it looks like just so endearing and just like it's like candy man i love this game it's just nice it's just a sweet thing you know yes so good and the writing's great too yeah uh number four death stranding speaks for itself what else you gotta say about that what else do i gotta say about death stranding hideo kojima like doing what answering the question that was on everybody's mind which is what if he just let hideo do what the fuck he wanted what if he wasn't tied down by konami who's saying like hey make just make another metal gear bro and he was like but i want to like do stuff and then he does metal gear and it's just all these crazy ideas in there and like creativity that's bursting at the seams but he he just needs somewhere to put it and so he's just shoving it into a metal gear game death stranding was like what if we i had like mads mickelson and guillermo del toro and all these people and i just like did it did it how i want to do it and he did it like he how he wanted to do it and the game is stronger for it uh it's the best acting i've ever seen in a video game some of the best facial expressions i've seen in a video game um it does not have an orthodox gameplay style whatsoever but is still captivating and intriguing um and that that's more than you get out of any video game uh, on average you know what i'm saying so death stranding it's dope it's going to be one of those that people remember for a long time uh because yeah of how i feel it like it's gonna be it's definitely i feel like gonna have like a legacy i don't know it's like yes. it's not like a people talk about like you know god of war and breath of wild so it's like be like the great games but i feel like death stranding is gonna be interesting for like its legacy will be more interesting because it's gonna be people picking the weird things from that game and you know yeah i definitely think it's gonna be a conversation piece for a while yeah yeah number three outer wilds yeah a game of bewilderment wonder exploration mystery 
and that deals with the great questions of our universe and actually approaches them head on in ways that you would never expect. Parts of this game feel like magic to me. They're doing, they're fucking, it's like you go to a, like the magic castle or some magician show and they do something that you're like, what did I just see happen in front of my eyes? It's like an optical illusion or something. This game pulls that stuff all the time on you. And that's, and it's not just that what you're seeing is like not what you expect, but it gives you that sense of like you, when you're freaking out, when you have that instinct, like, you know, when you, uh, you do the peekaboo game with the kid and you pull the thing down or like you have like a blanket over your face or something. And then you, you disappear like those little viral videos where someone hides behind a blanket, they drop the blanket and they're gone. And the baby's just like, what the fuck? Where did the person go? Where did the per <laughs> they disappeared? Or like when you're, <laughs> when you're doing that with the dog, when you play peekaboo, cause you hide your face behind your hands and the baby doesn't realize that you're still there and you fucking come out from behind your hands and the, Oh, the person's still there. What? Like I thought they disappeared. That's what this game is, but like with you as a full grown adult and you're seeing these things happen <laughs> and they make no sense scientifically and it, you, but you get that same sense of this is impossible. How did this just happen? And you're participating in it and you're uncovering it bit by bit and you have that, that feeling of like something incredible happening in front of you that you've just witnessed something that nobody's ever seen before. And that is something that I've never really felt in a video game before that is like bigger and greater than even some of the greatest moments that I've ever experienced in video games because I, I felt some sense of like amazing victory or what have you. Um, that's what makes Outer Wilds amazing. So uh, you got to check that out. You know what? If you get stuck, just Google it, honestly. People, you, you get stuck in this game, just Google that shit. It doesn't ruin it. Honestly, I had to do that multiple times in the game. It did not ruin the mystery for me whatsoever. I was still really, I mean, obviously you want to figure out as much of it for yourself as you can, but if you get stuck, just Google it. Um, it it's not going to make things significantly worse for you. Trust me. <sighs> Number two, Sekiro, Shadows, Shadows Die Twice. I talked a lot about this game already how I feel like every boss is like a sculpture, a beautiful work of art, uh, an interactive sculpture with its own personality that you come to know intimately through the art of combat. And it's like, I can still think of these boss fights and the intricacies of how these people, Madame Butterfly, what she, you know, how she kind of, she jumps up on her webs and you have to kind of sit there. And when she goes in for these strikes, you have to dodge. Or when she comes in for this strike, you have to parry um how she's weak too like when he throws shurikens at her when she goes up on her little string there's so many little details about these fights that they also have to do with the character and what their style of fighting is like and you have to get to know this character as like a as a physical being that can be interacted with you know the art of combat and expressing yourself through movement it's like dance there's a lot of comparisons to dance that I would draw with Sekiro. And it's like you're dancing with these characters and getting to know them through that act itself. Which is an unexplored aspect of combat in video games and something that I found really beautiful about this game. Some of like the trash mob encounters where you're in between boss fights. That's the stuff that didn't stick out to me as much. But when you're fighting these bosses and you get to know them and you beat them and you master them. It, it's elevated. There's something different about it. You know, it's not just difficult. 
it's like forcing you to get close with these bosses to get intimate with them and that's uh that's something entirely new for me uh and it really struck a chord with me in a way that basically every souls game before it has not done for me number one i mean come on disco elysium um <laughs> i don't even think we have to talk about it because we'll probably talk about it in a bit so kyle i don't know if you you have a top five or whatever but that's i got what, a top list yeah give me yeah so my i don't have a top 10 i have a top seven all right um, let's do it which mostly well, some of them overlap with yours i don't know i I'll, I'll give an honorable mention as well i will say what the golf is a great game it's it's awesome it's super fun and it's like uh it's like perpetually surprising maybe you know maybe my maybe this list is actually eight long i'm gonna edit my google keep note here and say what the golf is number eight because <laughs> it's just like it's one of those games that you just keeps going with the sort of theme and every level is new and exciting and it's like a the best way to describe it is that it's a game that just has a lot of content in it around a specific theme. And if you want more of that content, it just keeps giving it to you. Um, so it's less about like a story or like some greater idea or anything, but it's, it's like, if you like the sort of core thing that it's doing, it has so much of that for you, which is just super satisfying to play through. So I definitely recommend we were like shit talking Apple arcade earlier for good reason. And maybe not, but you should definitely try What the Golf. Um, number seven is another Apple Arcade game, which is Pilgrims, which is by Amantina. I don't remember how they say their name. Amanita? Amanita? Amanita Design. The same people that did Chuchol and Machinarium and some other point and click stuff. Um, but it's just like, it's a short uh, adventure game that you play with like cards where I don't even know how to describe it. It's, it's basically these little vignettes where you're kind of moving around in this sort of fantasy world and you have basically people and people can have items. And so for each scenario, you can put up a different person and a different item. And just the way this mechanic works is really satisfying because people can kind of have unintended consequences about what stuff can do. So it just ends up telling kind of a very compelling story with this sort of mechanic that only really makes sense on a phone or like the sort of mobile paradigm that is like it's a simple story it's not like you know amazingly complex or anything but it's kind of like the way you traverse the story and the world is just really satisfying and talking about like this idea of a flawed masterpiece of just going for it i feel like pilgrims uh is just really good at doing everything it's trying to do where it doesn't really feel like it's leaving any sort of stone unturned in terms of the design space of the thing and so for that i'm like Hell yeah. Number seven. Hell yeah. Um, hell yeah. Uh, number six is Eliza by Zachtronics, um, which is a visual novel about kind of like a lot of things. It's about the tech industry. It's about like capitalism. It's about like artistic dreams. It's kind of about like, what is it? It's like about AI and therapy. The premise of the game for people who don't know is that you ostensibly you're playing as a woman who is enrolled inside of a, a facility that delivers, I forget the exact name for it, but it's like remote uh, psychology treatments where you She's wear a proxy, a proxy. That's what it is. So basically she wears a headset that feeds her information from like kind of an AI 
that tells people that tells her what to say to a person for like the personal touch. So it's about kind of her role and all of that. Um, and it's just like really well written. Um, the game is like pretty linear too. Like it, I don't really feel like I've had a ton of choices yet. Um, I figure I'm, I'm like a chapter away from beating it, but I've just, at this point, I know that it's very much like it would still be in my top list no matter what. Um, so I definitely recommend people playing it uh, just for like a good peek into all that. Also like as someone who works in the tech industry, a lot of it rings really true in a way that only would kind of come from someone who's been through it too. So uh, I think if you're interested in that space or seeing someone kind of explore it with a kind of a critical eye, but also something that feels like humanizing and nuanced, definitely check out Eliza. Uh, number five for me is devotion. We've already talked a lot about devotion as well, but um, I think also just like that game is so crazy also in light of all the cultural stuff surrounding it and kind of like the life that game has had and not had post-release. Um, I think of a lot of games that are potentially trying to be quote unquote political or whatever devotion actually is and is like facing real world consequences for being that. Um, yeah. So that's, just, it's just like as a, we, we talk about like games kind of sitting in a larger cultural context a lot in bad end. I feel like devotion is such a perfect example. Like every other game on my list is like a fucking video game, whatever, like it's a game. Um, but devotion is something that feels like it is like, popped its head out into the wider kind of cultural consciousness uh, or like the cultural maybe stream. Um, I don't think people necessarily know about devotion, but just like the sort of like it's full existence is crazy, but also like the game itself is amazing. So if you could find that and you can find it, uh, you should play that. Yep. Number four for me is a short hike. Uh, Josh has it on his list. I would not be surprised if Katie has it on her list as well, but that game is just a really great, it's a, it's a great example of like having a game that is like small and intimate and like, like cute without being cloying. Um, it just feels really earnest and nice, uh, in a way that a lot of other games that I think that strive for a similar tone, like something like Celeste or like Donut County don't feel like, uh, they kind of feel like more like ironic or something. Whereas a short hike just feels really earnest and sweet in a very nice way. Mm-hmm. Um, but also like that game feels amazing. <laughs> like the control mechanic of that game just feels great from like yeah. the first few steps you take. And, so just the, and it's like fun. Ahead. It's fun. It's a fun yeah, game. Like, it's a fun game. You can like, you could play it to completion pretty quickly, but there's enough like little hidden things that are around. Like it feels like what animal crossing would feel like if it was more kind of centered around a central kind of objective, um, with like an actual sort of like gameplay mechanic or like traversal mechanic attached to it. So like just flying in a short hike feels great. And like the world is beautiful. Um, there's like secrets to discover. Everything is like just, perfectly tuned like everything just feels amazing like i after i after i beat the game by like climbing to the mountain or whatever i just climbed the mountain like four or five more times and then did it faster each time because you can get abilities to make you fly higher and faster i just did it a few more times because it feels so good to just fly around in that world like more so i can't think of another game that's had a flying mechanic that feels like that good maybe besides like 
Luftrausers, which was different, but um, a short hike just for 3D flying like feels so good. Uh, what's next? Number three, uh, Outer Wilds. So I echo everything that Josh said that this game is just like fully delivers consistently on the kind of the wonder. Um, I think like one of the, one of like the, the cool things about it is that you kind of have, a, it's, it's very common to hear pitches in games about like the sort of like living world or whatever in something like Skyrim or any sort of open world game. Um, but I think a lot of those, the models that those games work are like kind of fundamentally constrained due to like real life factors like budget and like time to make stuff. Like even like Red Dead Redemption 2 is like this giant game, but like moment to moment, what the people are doing in the world is relatively insignificant. Like it's not changing anything. And so what Outer Wilds does, is it takes a totally different approach, which says like, what if we like fully simulated literally everything for like what's it's like 15 minutes i can't remember the cycle time it's yeah like Like 15 minutes around 20 20 yeah like 20 minutes and then like it's crazy to see what that can really mean especially when you're facing down like the end of the universe so just like in terms of that game just showing like just really kind of delivering on a very certain idea of a dream of saying like what if everything was really happening at this amount of time? Like what would happen? And it like, it opens you up to the possibility of missing stuff, which is like not a thing in game, like in like rockstar games or Bethesda games. Like you can't really ever miss anything because it's, it's always happening all the time on a cycle. Whereas that or wilds is like, you can just miss stuff happening, which is why you can die and then come back and try to catch it later. But in a, in a time span, it doesn't rely on you having to like, get the quest at the right time to like talk to someone else to make something happen. Like it's just always going on and whether or not you choose to interact with it is the only thing that changes. So, yeah, I um, I feel like there's like that gameplay paradigm of walk from point A to B to point B trigger the cutscene that was consistent even when it felt like it wasn't in, for instance, Half-Life, which was a game that was lauded for doing that in first person. You know, walk into this room and you see a cutscene play in front of you that is happening while you're still controlling your character and stuff. And that was what was cool about that. But yeah, you're right. One awesome thing about Outer Wilds is that it's not content to do that. It's like, yo, all these incredible phenomena of the universe are happening at all times and you're not going to see it every time you, you play this game but sometimes you'll be there for it and you'll, everything will align and you'll be just there when it happens and some, and it'll be amazing when it does happen, you know? Yeah. I think just like what you were saying too, like really like facing down kind of fundamental questions of the universe and not saying that it's like trying to deliver you answers about how to live your life, but kind of like truly, truly looking at some like bigger questions and ideas like through like through its own lens of, you know, gameplay and design or whatever. But, um, it's just like, it's a totally, it's, it's a, it's a totally different style of game. Like I can't think of another game like outer wilds, um, which is always refreshing. Yeah. Check it out. Uh, number two is Piku Niku. Um, I mean really like, you know, any game that is on a list that I would make, I feel like it does. The position is less relevant. I think Outer Wilds is just as good of a game as Pikachu, um, which is just as good as 
a short hike in devotion, but yeah. Something about Pikuniku just like in it's kind of in a similar way to a short hike is just like it's just so good at nailing what it's trying to do. Um where it's just this like sort of non-pretentious, fun, 2D kind of like story game, uh, where you're just a being in the world and you're kind of moving through it and doing stuff. Um, it's it's almost like if you took a lot of the sort of smaller like mini game parts of something like uh, Night in the Woods and kind of stitched a game out of it. Is if you play video games, that's like my best description of Pikachu Niku. But I don't know. The game is just like it's kind of well written. It's funny. It's like kind of sad. It's silly. Um, it feels good to play. It's kind of ridiculous and absurd. It's got this sort of like humor that I feel like I first saw in like Paper Mario. Um, which I just love that sort of game and that sort of style of humor. So Piku Niku just feels like a sort of spiritual successor to that sort of style of game. Um, so I loved it and every sort of part of it and everyone should play it. And I have nothing else to say about that game. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then number one, Disco Elysium. Bad end podcast. Obviously. Come on. Let's, bad let's end. say, I mean, this is bad end podcast game of the year. This is the easily yeah. There's like I, it's every it's my number one. It's Josh's number one. It's ca- there is no contest. Yeah, legit. It's not even like last year. It was like what was it between it was between Oberdin and Red Dead, which I think was a really close battle. Yeah, and then the year before was Near and Breath of the Wild, which is also a close call. Like I feel like this is the first year where it's like a unanimous uncontested, like, like yeah. uncontested. There's. Sorry, Outer Wilds. This is a once-in-a-lifetime but... <laughs> thing. I mean, maybe we'll get something else from this studio, but I've never played a game like this in my life. And I, you know what? I was, I was thinking about this earlier today, and I talked about a bit about this on the Disco Elysium podcast, uh, the Superculture Review Savoir Faire Disco Elysium podcast. Um, but I talked about how decision-making in that game is just so much different from any game be- before it because every thing that pops into your character's head as an option that you can choose is 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 something that is in your character's head that your character is thinking at the time and whether you choose that thing or not is is what makes your character your character in this world and i think that's just such a beautiful philosophical way of seeing the world and i, I thought about this in the context of life itself a couple weeks ago i was i was thinking like you know I, you, know, you think people change, right? And he, he, have you ever heard someone say like, ah, people don't really change. Like they just, they just, it seems like they change, but they don't really change intrinsically. Like there's just things about them that transform, but everyone kind of stays the same. And I think Disco Elysium helped to kind of confirm that idea in my head, which is like me, I might look like a different person than I looked 10 years ago, Right. Like I, I, I make, cause I make different decisions about things that I say, things that I don't say, the paths that I decide to take in life based on my experience in the past. You know, it's like I did something and it burned me. I did something and it hurt someone else. I did something and X happened. And at the beginning of Disco Elysium, you're a character who has just thrown everything away, who went on a week-long bender lost all memory of what just happened it's kind of put trying to put back the pieces of his life but he's still broken in his brain he's still got this this exposure to some void that he just can't describe he can't quite put his finger on and 
he's got these crazy thoughts going through his head. He thinks about becoming, uh, subscribing to, you know, this race theory of some fucking racist he meets on the bridge. He start. he's thinking about doing every single drug he sees. He's thinking about telling his friend and partner, Kim Kitsuragi, something that he should never say to him because he's a beautiful man that should never be talked down to ever. And there's the greatest you see man. all these things going through this character's head at all times. You know exactly what he's thinking. He's like, oh, should I say this or this or this or this? And Disco Elysium puts you into the shoes of someone who decides what this character is going to be in the world. You can't change who he is as a person because all those thoughts are always there in his head. And that's fucking amazing. You can only change how other people perceive him. And I think that's amazing. And I think, you know, to give a little bit of a spoiler, a half spoiler, I'm not going to give any plot details, but something that, you know, happens at the end of the game, they kind of recap. Who were you in this world? Who did you turn out to be? What kind of person were you to me, a third party within this world? Another character tells you like everything that they perceived you to be based on your actions. And it's not what they're telling you is not who you are. What they're telling you is like who you showed yourself to be based on your decisions, which are informed by you as a person based on previous experience. And that's such a beautiful thing that video games in all their decision making and all their ambitions about you can fucking plant an acorn and you come back 10 years ago and it's turned into a fucking oak tree have never, ever done before. It's a philosophical statement. It's it's a beautiful literary sentiment and something that reflects on who we are as people and how we change and don't change. And it's intrinsically inherently an interactive feat it's an it's an interactive way of telling a story of separating this character from their actions in this world that you are doing as the player and um that's no no other game has given me that and i don't think is going to anytime soon unless it's by the same studio and you know there's so many there's an infinite amount of things I could praise about this game, but just think about that shit. Just think about the ramifications of what that all means that I just said. And I, I didn't even spoil a plot point. I like it's nuts. The, the <laughs> amount that this game gives you, I could just go on for hours, but it's beautiful, man. It's fucking beautiful. Okay. Um, that's it. That's my disco Elysium spiel. <laughs> I just think like the crazy thing. You just like fucking verbalize like pretty much my angle for, a thing I'm writing and I'm pissed. <laughs> oh, really? You I just, bitch like, ass. The, the part of like, you're talking about like the decisions that he has in his head. Like the, I think like one thing is like when you're living life, you know, you have to so imagine you have a day of your life. Um, You wake up, you do stuff and then you go to bed. Like, I don't think you lie in bed and you say, you know, what decisions did I make today? Yeah. And I think if you did, it would be stuff that was like really big. Like, so for me, I'd recently left my job. So I'd be like, man, I just have left my job today. Or like, wow, I proposed today. Or like, wow, I, you know, I don't know. I like tried some weird food today. That was a bad idea. <laughs> like the, the, stuff that's, the stuff that stands out as like a decision to you is like really big stuff. But what doesn't stand out to you is the fact that 
like as a human being, you're making decisions all the time. You're like choosing to get out of bed. You're choosing to go to bed. You're choosing what to eat for breakfast. You're choosing whether or not you're going to eat breakfast. You're choosing, you're choosing what you're going to do that day. You're choosing how you're going to do it. You're choosing what you're going to wear. Like, like literally your whole day is decisions. But when you're like reflecting on it, at the end of the day, you're only reflecting on the big decisions. And I feel like video games mostly assume that decision-making is those big decisions where if you're making a decision, it's always a big deal. You're never not making an insignificant decision. And I feel like what Disco Elysium does, it says like, no, like you're a person in the world. You will make decisions about how you act. And I, that risks to make the game kind of sound pedantic, um, which in some arguments you it could say that, but Basically, as long as you're in the world, like as a human, as this person in this game, you're literally making a decision about everything. You're choosing what you want to eat. You're choosing how you want to engage with drugs. You're choosing what you want to wear. You're choosing where you want to sleep. You're choosing what you want to say to people, which is probably the most important thing. You're choosing everything all the time. Um, and one thing that stands out about this is how, even though it may seem insignificant in your life, whether or not you choose to eat breakfast one day or like skip work one day and it might seem insignificant what disco Elysium does. And what I think probably proves to be true in real life is how all of those small insignificant seeming decisions turn out to actually be significant in the long run for various different reasons. Um, I think about like this piece that uh, I think it was Chris bro wrote on bullet points recently as part of the last like kind of residency, so to speak that disco Elysium was doing on the site about how like, Kim Kitsuragi is basically always wrong. Um, he's like acting as his voice of reason to your character and kind of telling you that all these small minutia of the game don't matter. He's like, oh, don't talk about this thing with this person. It doesn't matter. Don't talk about this thing. It doesn't matter. Um, and it seems from a place of rationality because your character is totally crazy. But over the course of the game, you kind of realize that like Kim's kind of wrong. Like, all of the stuff that seems so insignificant and so useless and not the point turns out to like always be the point. Um, and to like actually capture that sort of idea in a video game is like so far beyond what anything in the space is even doing. Like we've talked about kind of the weird sort of release timings of outer worlds versus disco Elysium and how out of worlds feels like the sort of last generation or even two generations before what Disco Elysium is positing as the future for games. And to see this kind of two and be like, oh, wow, like Disco Elysium is actually doing this thing in the way that where we should be or what we, what we think we should be at. And Outer Worlds feels like it's doing what we've just been doing all along and thinking it's okay. And Disco Elysium's like, no, like this is the way this, this should work. Um, and kind of seeing that and seeing all the decisions matter and seeing all the decisions actually happen about all the smallest stuff that eventually builds to be the sort of like things that ultimately do matter in the grand scheme of the game and this person's life. Um, is just, it's a, such a feeling that I've never ever had in a game. And it is, it is truly one of those games that like, it feels like it is truly a game that is like totally worth engaging with it. A hundred percent. Like don't just, we were talking earlier in this podcast about, you know, what games can you play for an hour or two and kind of like check out and make some judgment on it? Like I think Disco Elysium is a sort of game that it rewards the long play it rewards seeing the arc of all this stuff. Cause it's so much about that arc of play. It's not about like you like 
leveling up and skilling up and like getting cool weapons. It's like, it's about the culmination of decisions in a way that feels meaningful and impactful. Um, and that is just, that's a great, amazing thing to behold. And honestly, one other thing that I haven't really, really thought about is that like, if someone, there's so many games where people would be like, is that art? And you're like, oh, I mean, it's the best game of the year, but I don't know. Yeah, I'm sure. Yeah, you can call it <laughs> art. It's art. But this is like, I would not hesitate for a moment to see, to be like, this is fucking art right here. Like this is, this is, it's like a, I would put it at the same echelon as like a very, very good book easily, you know? Yeah. It's just, it's so hard too, because like, I don't want to, I don't want to talk about this, but I'll bring it up. But like the, I feel like we don't have like systems in our society to reckon with the type of art that this game is. Like I've been to video game exhibits at museums before and they favor stuff that who has a, has like a really good core loop and looks pretty. Yeah. Like it, it's, if it's something that plays really well in five minutes that someone can walk by and look at and be like, wow, cool. And then leave. Like we don't, we just don't have, I don't even know how you preserve what Disco Elysium is or how you like make people kind of understand it. I mean, I think about that Ian Bogus piece that went up about Goose Game about kind of like the unfortunate side effect of games being that you kind of have to play them to get it. <laughs> um, and I feel that so heavily with Disco Elysium where like I've been like, I've been a crazy acolyte for this game um, unpaid as well. And just telling all my friends about it to the point where like I brought it up at a party recently and my friend was like, dude, you, I, uh, yes, Disco Elysium. I know you've talked about it so much. And I'm like, well, go fucking play it. Like, uh, yes, I'm talking about I, it because it's so amazing. But I'm like, I'm gonna brag about the one person I made play it. I got one Ben pack from Giant Bomb to play it. And now he loves it. He's like a big fan. Oh, that it's was like you? spreading the gospel. Spreading the gospel. Yeah, yeah it really it's literally is. spread the gospel. I'm like, it's like you have to tell everyone this game. I know. <laughs> But it's also like, I mean, I'm sitting in my parents' house right now because I'm home for Christmas and it's like, how do I get my parents to play Disco Elysium? Like, how do yeah. I can get my parents? I to mean, like, my parents would not play Disco Elysium. They wouldn't, but yeah, right? stuff no, like that thing, but, like, thing. but your parents yeah. would go to like the Met and go look at like Da Vinci's paintings. I don't something. think my parents would do that, but I, I mean, appreciate the okay, thought. <laughs> most parents, I imagine, would want to go to like, they, they would be down to like go to a museum and like look at sculpture. I don't know. Just like look at art or something. Yeah. But like this is the sort of thing. peak of my parents are is they're really into like Fast and Furious, you know, which is Sure, fair, but like you, you can you get know? your parents to go see like Knives Out or something. Like you can you can get yeah, them to do that's that. that's fair. That's a fair comparison. But yeah. you like can't get them to, you can't get people who don't play video games to play something like Disco Elysium. And that to yeah, me is like, like how like that sucks like how do you how does that change you know i mean i just think it's like there's like a big bear it's like it took me me a veteran i feel like of rpgs like a couple hours to figure out how that game systems work because it doesn't like really help you out like you have to like yeah. know how skills work and you have to know like what everything means pretty much right off the bat like it's not a newbie to the genre friendly game but and like i love that i it's like my favorite game of the year like by a long shot but like i don't i don't know if i'd recommend it to like someone that hasn't played games like that a great thing is like that the main writer the head writer on it and director robert kurvitz like his books being translated into english next year which is based in the same world so soon you can just like recommend people a book seemingly yeah yeah so. 
I th- yeah, I mean, I think like I could definitely see them making a movie out of this as well. So I, my hope is like kind of what you're saying. Maybe that's the way is that you engage people in other media as well. Because it's also yeah. true that like people who are avid book readers don't necessarily watch movies. People who watch a lot of movies don't necessarily read a lot of books. People who go look at a lot of art or like paintings don't necessarily watch movies or like so I think that it is the case that maybe like other other stuff brings them I don't know brings them to the world but yeah I think it's one of those games though that is its influence is going to be felt over time I think it has legs I think when I you know I look at the steam top sellers and it's like it's it's getting up there like it's it's selling well um people are their word is spreading like it won a bunch of the game awards which happened yeah, yeah that recently. was so cool to see i was expecting goose game to sweep but it was really nice to see them win a bunch it of stuff like, like they won like four awards some of the most awards of any game there which yeah, is fucking sick. amazing like it deserves it but and it's cool it means that other outlets also have good taste because they're also voting <laughs> so like we vote for them for all those categories but it's like oh it's cool that like everyone else is voting too for the right game and, to win. and i think it's one of those games that spreads really well by word of mouth where it's like it's gonna have its acolytes it's gonna have its people who when you finish it you have mm. to talk to someone about it and be like hey you would love this game like you don't play that many video games but you understand the systems and you want something artistic and you want something that's involving and that's really good you play disco elysium i think it's going to have that effect of like over the next few years that are like this is real this is a real game this is real art this is everything you could possibly want and i think that's gonna have its own sphere of influence around it and then there's gonna be all types of other games that are like what if we did something like disco elysium where like we hired some really really great writers and we made it about decision making and writing and we have these systems in place which then is going to point back to disco elysium which will then perpetuate itself until hopefully my my hope is that the influence of this game manifests in video games in a tangible way and i think it can only happen it can only be a good thing because the things that this game does that i think will be influential have to do with like quality decision making and making things more nuanced and making things more involved processes that reflect the human mind and say something about how we think and make decisions in the world. I think that those are the big points that Disco Elysium puts out there that I think other, if other games do end up picking up on that, which I think, Hey, you have a roadmap for this. Now, you know what this looks like, which is something you never really had before, right? Like Planescape torment, people will say, but this is, you know, it's a, it's a different thing. But I think when people look at that and people are making those comparisons like hey this worked for disco elysium it sold well and it's this from the studio that you know came from kind of nothing and they they did this big thing that's how this stuff gets rolling you know as you were saying kyle and that's how this stuff gains traction and 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 gains influence in the world and i think that's going to happen with disco elysium if it's not right now i think i think it's one of those games that like when it launched it's not like it's not going to sweep everyone off their feet immediately, except for like the people who knew about it and for whom they were like, this is totally up my alley, like the bad ends of the world. But um, <laughs> it's it's going to it's going to get steam and I think it's going to get bigger and bigger and it, we're going to see its influence and it's going to be good. Uh, I think there's a lot of games that don't. I think have once great- it comes out on console, too, it's, it's going to oh, I yeah. can see it blowing up again because mm. that will be next year. It will be on PS4 and Xbox and. I feel like it might I feel like I can see it being like 
getting Hollow Knight big, honestly. Like, if it hits enough people. Because, like, I feel like it's always a console launch that, like, or a Switch release that gets people like, oh, this game's great, you know? Like, Hollow Knight, everyone in 2017 was really into, but it came out on console in 2018, and that's when everyone started talking about it, you know? Yeah. And I could see that being the case for, like, Disco also. Yeah. That's our game of the year. Bad end, folks. Um, Do we want to talk about anything else before we end this episode? Maybe a couple trends, or are you all tired? You. I'm so tired. I need to eat. I haven't eaten all day. Again. It's like nine o'clock. I'm dying. <laughs> <laughs> oh, we're at like two hours now. Ooh, that's a game of the year episode for sure. Yeah. Um, let me put out a couple of things real quick. Just a couple trends that I saw. I, we don't have to discuss it. I'm gonna die, Josh. I'm just kidding. Go um, ahead. <laughs> uh, single player th- games are still a thing. We talked about them potentially dying. Uh, this year, I think, gave me faith that they're still a thing, which is cool. Disco Elysium, Disco Elysium is, is... Let me just finish <laughs> talking about Disco Elysium. A lot of breaths of fresh air. 2019 was a great year for video games, in my opinion. So many interesting and great ideas coming out that I've never seen before that I may have been beginning to lose faith in as, as a thing that can happen. Um, video game journalism. Some crazy shit happened. Uh, it's hard for me to have faith in video game journalism as an institution, but I think there are some interesting paths for that to go, as we talked about in the micro indie episode a few weeks back. Go check that out if you haven't yet. Um, Hatred, uh, as we talked about with Tim Rogers, has been going in an interesting direction online. Um, The whole everyone is bad except for people who are at my current publication or the publication that I like (laughs) the most is... uh, is a thing um and platforms that's going to be the next thing on the horizon and we've talked about that a lot on that show those are my big things that are happening this year and will happen next year i don't know if you had anything to add before we start wrapping things up but those are the big things that are my big takeaways from 2019 2019 to me felt like a like a hibernation year like we saw some good stuff it's definitely a transition year for the next generation yeah it feels like some big stuff is happening next year. Uh, and I feel like 2019 is a taste of what's to come. That's true. The best stuff happened at the end of this year, I would say. Yeah. Um, so look out for 2020 because it's going to be awesome, folks. It's coming. Yes. Right around the corner. Speaking of which, the next time we see y'all will be in 2020. Um, I want to thank everyone for listening to Bad End Podcast. It's been a great year for us. Our second year in operation, I guess sort of third, because we started in 2017. Um, We got a Discord. We started Patreon. We have friends now. Baden has friends. and um, <laughs> Friends of the show. Friends of the lot. show. We have guests on the show who are awesome. We have a Discord, a thriving Discord of people who are becoming friends with one another. And I've met some of them in real life and they're cool people and just, just really neat space and that we're starting to carve out for ourselves. And it's very exciting. And I just want to thank everyone who's been on this journey with us in this second year. Um, thanks. Thanks for coming along for the ride. It's been, it's been an awesome one. And, you know, we hope that 2020 will bring even greater highs for us. Um, that being said, we're going to wrap up the episode here uh, because 
it's been two hours. But thank you all for listening again to Bad in a Podcast. We really appreciate it. Uh, we have a Patreon if you're interested in supporting us to let us do more stuff, uh, get better mics for Katie. Um, <laughs> <laughs> thank you. Um, and um, we're on Patreon, patreon.com slash bad end. We are now part of Superculture Network. You can go check that out on um, Twitter at superculturenet. Uh, you can check out the Superculture podcast, the Superculture Review at Superculture Rev on Twitter. Uh, that is the Disco Elysium podcast that's currently running right now. Go check out our partner site, Bullet Points, uh, who is also under the um, umbrella of Superculture. And you can also email us at badendpod at gmail.com. We're on Twitter at badendpodcast. Rate us and review us on iTunes as always. And we'll see you next year. Ciao. Happy New Year, everybody. Thank you.